0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcast. You can also find more of our content on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows like the Multiverse Fancast and Cinematic Adventures. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Paul, and with me is a gentleman who I am super excited to talk with. Just doing the pre-show, we had a really good conversation about some of the topics that we want to bring up today. He's an author, business owner, and survivor of an incredible tragedy, and that's Mr. Andy Turner. Andy, how are you today?
1: I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: It is truly my pleasure. It's so funny nowadays. like You never know who you're going to connect with, especially on social media, and I'm really excited for you to get a chance to tell your story and tell your like your triumph at the end of it, during our stories or during our interview today. So, really quick before we get started, can you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm born and raised in Georgia. I, I would view myself just as, as a country boy. And since Cedar Town has been home for me, I was uh, raised extremely strict uh, by by a Southern Baptist pastor. If if you ever watched Footloose, that was my life. I okay. wasn't allowed to. I was not allowed to go to a prom because a dancing foot and a praying knee doesn't grow on the same leg. And then I got to college because I got a football scholarship and I walked on on onto the the field, the first day of practice at NC state. I I joined a a fraternity and I didn't come home for the holidays because I found a whole new world. And I I realized that I kind of liked that culture a a little better because I was a little more free. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, you know, it's funny because I, I didn't go to, I went to college, but I commuted and I remember I spent like, one weekend at my college, and I was like, this is a totally different experience. Like, you know, I I wasn't born or I wasn't raised very religious. Like, we practice religion, but I can't imagine in, like, southern religion. Like, you hear stories, but.
1: Oh, yeah. It was, Well, it it put a good base in me that I I still live by today. But, you know, I was raised extremely legalistic. And so I had to, to learn a lot as, you know, as I become an adult. Um, that, you know, the, the world really does not work that way. And you know, I had some, some good classes, and like in debate in college, to where uh, they would ask, you know, What do you believe? You know, which side are you on? Like on, on the hard topics, you know, yeah. pro-choice, pro choice, pro life, but whatever you believed, you had to argue the other side uh, against what your, your your core beliefs were. And that that taught me a lot of things to learn to look at things from from a different perspective. And you may not always be right.
0: Mm -hmm. you see i like that because we we've talked a lot of different episodes about how especially modern times it's very you're either right or you're completely wrong like nobody can have conversations anymore like there are plenty of things i'm not a religious person but i can have conversations about religion and not disparage somebody for what they believe in but like nowadays especially if you don't agree with someone especially and we're going to talk about social media because that's a big uh topic uh for you but if you put something on social media without any contacts, without any, like, with, and you think all these people are your friends and people that you know, suddenly you're getting viciously attacked. And it's oh, wild. Really? like nowadays you can't, you can't say anything. Like I went through my Twitter when I reactivated it and I deleted every, and most of them were stupid. Like, Hey, going out drinking tonight. I was like, well, I don't want anybody to see that. I like alcohols. Like it, nowadays you got to be super careful and super cognizant and it's wild.
1: Oh, absolutely, and what you're touching on the, the the viciousness of people I would have never imagined if we wouldn't have went through this how how bad that people can can be, and and, and what they'll believe you can you can put the most outlandish things on on social media, and they will believe it. I mean, it's no no matter how crazy it is, it's they'll believe it.
0: There's that commercial with like the lady who's going on a date with the guy she met from the internet, and she's like, he's a French model. It's like some schlubby looking guy, and he's like, oh bonjour. Like (laughs) he was, like it is crazy. You know the internet. The internet's been a great place for a lot of different things. Like I love podcasting, and obviously that's why I'm here. And the internet made it super easy, especially with zoom and and social media like to connect with people people who you wouldn't normally connect with this show actually wasn't even an interview show when we first started it it was a topical show and then it just kind of evolved into more interview based styles so while there's plenty of good with the internet and social media there is so so much not good is the way I like to say it but oh. so you were raised in a very religious household you went to college now you also started. You were mentioning in the pre-show. You started your first business at nineteen.
1: I did, and I'll tell you the the drive that started behind that is. In growing up, we we're very poor. You know, my my father were pastor churches, and he'd make like nineteen thousand dollars a year. And there were many times that we didn't have meals, or my mom learned to make beans the last you know five and six days. You know, you put it on the stove, and it it was it was bean soup, beans with cornbread, <laughs> beans with onions and you know i didn't really know that i was poor until i went to school right and then the other kids told me how poor i was because my clothes didn't fit and you know they had holes in it there were hand-me-downs that i'd received and i was picked on relentlessly mm-hmm. and then as a little kid i didn't have a lot of close friends i was picked on just so bad and i mean i'd, I'd come home crying because everybody was so mean to me because uh, the way i dressed and uh, you know, i just didn't have the things or i couldn't participate um, in the, the Halloween things at school because I didn't have a costume. And I even had teachers that made fun of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I remember thinking if I ever change, you know, or, or when I become an adult, I want I want to change this for my life. If I have kids, they're they're never gonna feel this way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of the, the catalysts that that kind of was a turning point for me is a kid at school gave me a little magazine of cars. I always loved cars. And I came home and I started tearing the pages out of these cars that I was just in love with. And I was taping them on the wall and my dad came in and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm hanging these cars up and I'm going to own them one day. And, and he laughed at me and he said, well, nobody ever has more than one car. And he said, you're definitely not going to own all of those, especially at the prices. And I remember inside you know, remember how, how I was raised. Inside, I was saying the most god-awful cuss words. I, I was cussing him out. I was afraid to do it out loud. Oh, because yeah. My, my dad didn't believe in timeout. You know, he believed uh, in knockout, blackout, <laughs> you know, kick out. So I wasn't going to say it out loud, but I was saying it in my head. And when he walked out, I said, one day I'm going to own every fucking one of these things. And so at about 16, I, I met a man who kind of took me under his wing and started teaching me business because my... My parents didn't know I mean all they knew was just religion life mm-hmm. and when I turned 19 he helped me start a business as I'm going into my freshman year of college and my sophomore year of college that business I started was generating three million dollars a year that's awesome and uh, I have owned every one of those cars and I still have some of them today and I still have the the that magazine papers that I tore out and I hung on my wall I've got them all I checked them off but I had to have that drive you know if right. I wouldn't have been picked on and felt like the misfit and, and, and and ostracized as a child, not having friends and left out. And then the people that I felt like should have inspired me laughed at me. It wouldn't have put that drive in there to where nothing was going to stop me from achieving my goal. Mm -hmm.
0: That's awesome, man. I got like chills listening to that. That's such like such an empowering story. You know, as a kid, I also got bullied and for me, it was more, like the things that I was interested in, like you and I have a common connection where we're big Superman fans, which like, that's how our conversation started for the free show, which is the best <laughs> thing ever. Because uh, if you guys are watching the YouTube video that I have my nice Superman posters, I have signed autographs from different Superman actors. So like I'm a big Superman fan. And so when I was little, if you were like when I was a kid, I, you know, growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, if you wore a superhero shirt at school, oh my God. God, you got relentlessly made fun of like you were called a nerd or a geek, misfit, whatever it was. And nowadays the superhero industry is worth billions of dollars, if not trillions of dollars, you know, behind the scenes. And it just goes to show that like the world is shifting in a way that the people that are passionate are the ones that are able to turn that passion and that drive into something super productive. You know, I didn't think I would be hosting a podcast where I was talking to people all over the world. Like when I first said I was going to make a podcast like eight, nine years ago, people were like, what's a podcast? Like, what are, what are you talking about? I was like, it's a, it's like an internet radio show. They're like, yeah, good luck with that, chief. Now, <laughs> now, like I'm sitting here, you know, my wife has her book page. I'm, you know, I'm wearing our merch. Like, it's awesome. And finding that drive and that passion is the most important thing for doing anything creative, if you That's know, it. my very humble opinion, but for you, you, you start the successful business at 19. Where did you go from there?
1: Once that business got started, I, I realized I had a knack for business. And I kept that, that company up until six years ago when my wife passed away.
2: Mm-hmm. And um,
1: then I liquidated it. But I, I had it from, from 19 till 45, oh, wow, 44. Uh, and it was an extremely successful business. But in my junior year, I invested in a ready mix company here in, in, in Georgia, in the Atlanta area. One one plant, two trucks. When I sold out my shares in, in two thousand and eight, we had four hundred and fifty trucks and thirteen plants. Wow! Uh, then it, it was a an extremely successful venture. Uh, I've been part of starting nine companies and and flipping them. Uh, I, I enjoy that, and I've been hired as to, to go into other companies that, to run it at, at a VP president level and be cons- consultants. You know, Fortune five hundred companies, and that, that's what I love doing. And now I've uh, I've got two companies that uh, that I'm, I'm enjoying, and I hope to turn these over to the family and uh, sit in a rocking chair and do a lot of traveling and golfing. soon.
0: oh, that's the goal, man. Like you know, for me, I, I have a, I'm lucky that I have a job where I actually retire very early, and then I'll find like my my passion project to work on. So, I can't I can't imagine being so close to the to like the like the goal like you know for me my dad is the hardest working guy that i know my dad has worked ever since he was like six years old he's been working he's been hustling he's been working because in his world he he wants his children same same as you he doesn't want his children to ever want and to like always he shows love and you know just how passionate he is by giving and you know it's it's such a great ability to have to, to just be able to provide in any capacity, not just financially, but also, you know, love, compassion, all that stuff, like giving that out to people. I just I feel fulfilled whenever I'm able to help somebody, even just a little bit. So it sounds like you're doing a lot for a lot
1: of people. Yeah, we, we share a lot in common and man, kudos to your dad. We, we need more dads like that, man, that, 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 that don't just tell you you got to work hard, but he's also an example of it. So, man, I, I, I love the story.
0: Yeah, my my dad is so passionate about work that he had to retire. They literally were like, you are hitting the maximum age. He's like, <laughs> am I though? And he's still, as soon as he retired, he was retired for like less than a month. And he's like, oh, I also started uh, two new jobs. I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, I'm doing consulting <laughs> and I'm doing this. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> Good
2: You're for him, to... man.
0: Yeah, like he, they they went traveling for about a month. They went to They went all over Europe, my dad and my stepmom, as a celebration. And then, yeah, they- my dad's working again. <laughs> like it is wild, the kind of drive. And, you know, for me, like it inspires me, especially now as an, as an adult, I get it. Like as a kid, it, it always upset me because I was like, well, you don't have time for me. You don't like you, right. you're working. You're always busy as an adult and seeing, you know, even myself this past week, I put in like 30 extra hours at work just mm-hmm. because a, it's the holiday season at time of recording. And also b like, that's how I provide so like as an adult as a married adult i get it and it's it the perspective just shifts and it's wild like i ne- I didn't expect it was going to happen
1: yeah i love it though because uh if you wouldn't have had that that uh, that role model to see you probably wouldn't have that same drive
0: yeah so for you though obviously there is another part of your story and it's probably the the part of the story that you presented to me over facebook and i remember reading yeah. it and just you know as. As much fun as I have, like talking about like all the fun stuff and the cool stuff, there you obviously had something happen to you and something happened in your life that was a tragic turning point. And I would really, if you're comfortable, I would love for you to share it with some of our listeners.
1: Oh, absolutely. And That's why we're here. Uh, our, our, our life mission now is, is to help people based on the tragedies that we lived through. But to to keep it keep it short, I'll give the cliff note version, and then you know, everybody can connect and pick up the book and, and, and read the story. There's also a movie that we're signed that that has bought the rights to the book that'll be filming in 2024, so that it'll that, be seen on on those fronts too. And so you get a, a early preview of it. My daughter and I, who's actually sitting beside me right now, we we had one night of having a great dinner with my wife, and we go to bed and we're awakened early, early the next morning by noise. And you know when you you wake up in the from a from a dead sleep you're not really sure what's going, what's going on. on yeah everything, everything's cloudy i wasn't sure if she had failed she was in the bathroom i go running and it woke my daughter up we meet at the door I open the door and when i look over the top i realized that my wife had committed suicide and uh when i see that and my my daughter's she was blocked by a, a cabinet that was there she couldn't see the mass of it but she saw mother's legs I grab my daughter. I pull back in the floor, and I'm just screaming, "God, no, no! You know, not, no, not this!" And I take her to the to the couch and call nine one one. The the police come, and and I'm actually living the most god awful nightmare of any horror movie or anything that I could imagine. Of seeing somebody that you love, as your best friend, in this condition, and having no idea why. She's the happiest person I know. We had a a, a tremendous marriage, never, never fought, never had disagreements. I, I would have told you we were the, the postcard family. And after the fact, I find out that she'd been living double lives. And uh, some of the, the boyfriends that she had in her family take the social media. We wake up right after the funeral. And I look at my daughter now. Then we've got murderer painted on the, the front of our house. Our cars has been vandalized. People go to social media saying god-awful things about me, about my children. you talking about feeling like a misfit when the whole world turns against you. Mm -hmm. Uh, All because of uh, social media. And we were bullied so bad, people were calling my job, saying, hey, you know, you got a guy there that killed his wife. When the police left at 9.30 that morning, everything was closed. It was open and done. I was never named a suspect, nothing. But social media has driven this to make me look like I was a god-awful person, and everybody bought on. And uh, I had to take my kids out of school. I had to hire security for my children. And we've had people show up in our front yard and want to fight and, and vandalize our property. I think we're at 51 tires cut and, and uh, nails and screws in it. The police would call me and be like, hey, man, look, we want to tell you, you got another death threat. Mm-hmm. And it got to a part for us that it was so awful. I pulled my kids into private school. Everywhere we went, we had security. Everybody I dated was harassed. Or if me and you went to dinner. Mm-hmm. just you and I, You're just going to be a buddy. And be like, man, I, I'm sorry what you're going through. They would send defects to your house saying that you endangered your children and having them around uh, a around the murder. So everything that I've done just seemed like... It, I mean it, it was falling apart because of the attacks. And we we couldn't hide from the social media. Right. Uh, they had to file a bankruptcy because they were affecting my work. And then you know, I'm sitting at a park to where I'm not sure exactly how I'm even gonna take care of my kids. And we've got people coming up to us in public saying you know awful things to my entire family. And but I'm like, man, I I don't understand this. You know, we're we're trying to mourn. We're trying to just survive. And it seemed like, you know, everybody was, against, I guess, as I was on an island, just trying to be, just trying to be dad. Yeah. And uh, life, life really did. And it took a long time to be able to turn around. We're taking people to court, suing them for, suing them for slander and defamation. Hey,
2: hey.
1: We We would win, hands down. Cause they absolutely had nothing. They based it on other than They read it on social media. Mm-hmm. They bankrupt that. So now I'm out more money that I already didn't have at the time, because they're, they're sinking me because I wasn't allowed to work because the way they would do it. So I had to get to a point to where, like I did as a child, I had to purpose myself through it mm-hmm. that, that I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to let this beat me. Then I pulled the family together and I'm like, you know, this really sucks. It's not fair but we can't quit. Right. We, cool. we can't sit here and pout and cry. We've done that. Mm-hmm. We've done that many days and many nights. I uh, mean, there's so many stories that uh, there's no way we could cover it in this time frame. There's just so many stories. that's just uh, heartbreaking because in a, in our book, I'm not the only author. My entire family authored this. Oh, so wow. you're hearing it from their perspectives, their mouths on what they endured as well as mine. But for me, when you read it and you you hear everybody else's tail, it's, uh, it's gut wrenching. So I said, we, we've got to do something. Uh, I've I learned that sitting and crying in a mud puddle is never going to benefit mm-hmm. and, uh, sitting here and getting hit in the jaw uh, and uh, letting everybody say things about it, it's not going to work. Let's, let's write a book. And, uh, we started fighting back and now we've got, we've got a much bigger platform than them we got a movie that's about to be made about our family. Then we're speaking everywhere, helping the proceeds from our books going to suicide prevention. We're we're going to so many places and seeing people help and lives saved and, and people encouraged to not bully people, to not go say shit on somebody that's not true, because you're you're hurting lives, you're <laughs> affecting children. Um uh, then it's uh to me one of the worst things that you could do. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, especially to attack somebody in at their lowest point.
2: Oh yeah, you Like
0: at, at the or after a funeral, like uh, you're dealing with this terrible family tragedy. You like you need your own time to mourn, and you as a parent, I'm sure, needed time to to help your kids get through this because I'm sure they didn't understand. You know, do you mind if I ask how old they were about when uh, this happened?
1: My daughter was so right now they're they're 21. 18, 16, or 14. And this was six years ago.
0: Oh, and so, six and a half years ago. So, like just that alone, that's a that's a terrifying and confusing time to begin with. As a as a teenager, as a young child, you're you're learning about the world, you're learning about what you believe, what what you're forming your own identity. And to have a tragedy like that, I can't even imagine. But I really, I really enjoyed the part that you told me where like all these proceeds, everything you're doing is to help other people. And, you know, it's a conversation that doesn't happen enough where, you know, especially, you know, especially young men, they don't ever want to talk about when they're dealing with psychological or or mental issues, you know, and then women are like, they can hide it. They can hide it so exceptionally well. And we, I feel like us as a society, we normalize the struggle more than the actual problem. Like, it's easy for me to be like, well, I'm just having a tough week. And then next week, I'm just still having a tough week. And how many how many tough weeks do I want in my life, where where that just becomes normal? So, yeah. like I think having the conversation is super important, and then hearing your story is is even more important because it it lends to the like I could talk I could talk all I want, but if I'm not pouring my own personal experience or passion or knowledge into something, it's just
1: words. Yeah, you know de- demographics change. I was shocked as I started getting into studies and talking to people and going in when we talk we're not just talking to patients we're talking to the doctors and the staff that are treating patients also and their families who want to give up on them because a lot of them are addicted and you know they've they've been stealing from them or you know whatever it's the families are wanting to give up so we're talking to the families as well but what i've learned is the demographic has changed Mm -hmm. You know, used to you know, the military was was tops, and then you'd have your know, police, law enforcement, EMS, and the shift now since COVID is men with families.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's us That's... that the su- that that has rose to the top for for suicide. And and I I get it because I'm, I would be lying to everybody if if I told you I didn't sit and think about it during some of those dark days. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't have my family that 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 I'd sit and looked at and had such a love for them, uh, and like you know what would they do? You know what would I be doing to them? Then uh, man, I, I might would have been there myself because when you got the world coming against you, it enters your mind. Oh yeah, and you can't help what enters your mind, but you can't help what stays there.
0: Yeah, and how you react to it too. That's like, it. You know, a lot of people, when when that becomes their option, it's because they feel like they don't have any other options where it's like, my life is just this and it's only going to get worse. This is my best way out. And I always, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I've talked to a lot of people and I have a very strong interest in mental health and I'm a very big advocate for it. Especially, like I said, for for men my age and how you mentioned, you know, like this is now it's climbing and it's getting to this point. I always say there's, there's two reasons why people... Feel that that's their choice. One is just a pure mental defect, something that you can't quantify, just something going on in the brain, chemical that you can't control. You can medicate, you can see therapy, but eventually it's just going to get to a point where it's just uncontrollable. Or you get pushed to a point. And a lot of people felt that, you know, especially with social media. Like I remember the first negative comment I got on any of my social media with podcasting. I remember like, I took it super personally. Like that guy came up, kicked my dog and then said that comment to me and then left. Like that's how I felt. I was like that's that's his reaction. What's my reaction? I get to choose that. Like just because he didn't like my podcast doesn't mean I'm doing a bad job or anything like that. So that's the problem with social media. Like everybody has a voice, which is great. For me, the podcaster talking, but then they have a voice coming back and it's my, re- it's my decision how to react to it. And I like how your reaction to all this has been to do something super, super helpful to the rest of the world.
1: Yeah. Well, we definitely want to help people. And you're talking about, you know, how, how you react. Sometimes it, it's hard to, to set back and, and let people just bash you, yeah. you know, especially when it's affecting your lives. Then I, I do want to to point this out because it's something that that my my daughter brought out. And when we go and we speak, there's she's got a, a powerful message. A lot of people that that will consider suicide and, and, and mental health when they get to the point, they'll say that people are better off without them because mm-hmm. yeah, they think well, where I am, what I've done, or what I contribute to life, people are better off without me. Right. Well, if you look at it from from her perspective, uh, if if that's what her mom was thinking, which we have no idea, but I, I hear a lot of people say that when we travel, were were we better off without her? Was she better off not having having a mom? And look what we went through
2: mm-hmm.
1: because of that decision. No, no, nobody in the world is better off without you. Yeah. You know, we we're, we're all fearfully wonderfully made. We all have a purpose. And with that being said, people are better off with you in their life. And if you need help. They will help you get it. Go get the help that you need, but uh, don't don't think that leaving makes people better because it doesn't. Because they're going to hurt, and there's an aftermath of your your loss. So know know that you are important. Everybody is important, and you're important to somebody whether you feel like you are or not.
0: A thousand percent. And unfortunately, like especially in our country, I'm in New York. Just just for point of context, mental health services and mental health care is a nightmare. Like it is as you walk around new york city and like it's just it's the wild yeah. west at this point especially after covid like when when covid rolled around and then they they did all these different laws and bail reform and stuff like that in new york it's just everything just shifted very hard to more lawlessness and more just people trying to get by i find that our mental health especially in new york is exceptionally reactionary this happens so now this has to happen right you can't get help until you get to this Imagine how many people got the best mental health services the second they were like, "I think I might need help. I think there's something wrong." Instead of getting to the point where, like in in our state, you can actually be forcibly detained for a mental health crisis. Like if you say, "I'm gonna hurt, I'm gonna hurt someone," or "I'm gonna hurt myself," or "I'm gonna do something terrible," like you can get forced to the hospital for an evaluation. Sometimes it's super helpful for people at that point, but the question is, how do they get to that point, and how do we? what kind of things can we do beforehand to help them and i think what you're doing and what your family's doing going around and talking to people and sharing your story i think that's one of the best things that could be done for somebody who's maybe not in crisis yet but is feeling like hey like some of this really speaks to me and it resonates yeah. but i really do think that your your purpose here is just so impactful and man like you and your family you guys are doing like I said I'm not a religious person but I like to call it God's work. You're doing the universe's work. Like you said that everybody's here for a purpose and even though I don't particularly subscribe to religion I fully fully believe that everybody in this universe is here to do something. And yeah. it's your choice whether or not you want to do it or not. So I like I like the free will and purpose balance. That's yeah. that's my cup of tea because I I like to feel in control but I also like to feel like I'm like I'm really here to do something and I'm still trying to find it and it's exciting to me. So for you guys, it sounds like you're really doing some very important work.
1: Well, we're we're definitely trying, and uh, if we we just save one life or help the the uh, the amount of feedback that that we've received already has has been overwhelming. So uh,
0: yeah, speaking of which, like, do you have like a really strong success story? Like, just not like something that changed the world, but just like a moment where everything was like, man, this is this is why I do this.
1: Yeah, there was a a man, we were at a car show and a man trying not to get emotional, a man came up, he had read the book and he had a 15-year-old son who had been trying, made attempts to commit suicide, was cutting himself, he's bullied at school, bullied on social media and the little boy's name was Jackson and uh, he said, sir... Can can I get one of your books? So we're at a car show. I said I, I've got some. He said, th- "This is my my son Jackson. Will you please just talk to him?" He said, "I read your book, but I want him to read it." And I just started talking to the young man, and then and, and I said, t- "Tell me what's going on." He said, um, "I just want to die." He said, "I have no no purpose in life." He said, "I don't have any friends." He said, "I don't play sports. I'm not athletic." He said, "Girls don't want to date me." And then he was just going through all these things on why his life was just just so bad. And, and I sat there, and, and I, I just listened to him. And you could just see the pain and the hurt in, in, in his eyes and his heart. And and when you see a kid that way, I mean, he, he was a handsome little fella, you know, and but he was hurting, and he just wanted to give up. And I said, Jackson, I said, tell me, what do you enjoy doing? And he's like, well, I'm pretty good at video games. And uh, he said, and they and, uh, said, I like, I like the, the Marvel movies. I'm like, i going to do too. And I said, I suck at video games. My kids beat me all the time. I said, you know how many careers there are in video games and create them. I said, what if you created the, the, the next Fortnite? Or you created the next Call of Duty? He goes, man, that'd be awesome. I said, what would stop you from doing that? I said, if you weren't here, maybe. But what what if the guy that created the games that you love playing, went through what you did and decided that he didn't, he didn't want to be here. I said, make me a promise. I said, read the book. And then when you finish, will you call me mm-hmm. and let's talk about it and, and and what you see in it. He called me the next morning. He read it overnight. That's awesome. One night. And he said, Hey, he said, man, he said, I'm sorry. You saw me in that shape. He said, I'm really inspired by your story, and your children's story. And he said, then he said, I, "I want to go to school and learn computer programming." And he said, I'm, "I'm I'm going to be the person that creates a new video game." I said, "And you will be." And I said, "If that's what you I said, don't let anything stop you. Don't do it." And now he's on my social media. He writes to me about three or four times a week, and he's got he's got a little girlfriend. But all he needed was some confidence, somebody mm-hmm. to invest in him. And that's one of my favorite. But there's been so many, and and you know I, I believe that he, he probably will be the next creator dude
0: that's awesome that's like i and i hope i hope that one day i have you back on the show and you tell me hey jackson made a video game and i just like like just watching you how like how passionate you are about like i don't even know this kid and and i'm rooting for him now like this is a kid that you met randomly and i'm like man i hope i hope he fucking does it I hope I sit down, uh, like my wife and I love to play PlayStation together. And ironically, she's usually much better than me, which is hilarious. (laughs) If I could tell 15 year old me what, what my life was in store, like, cause I went through that too. Like just feeling like there's something wrong with me. Like I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, I watch like my siblings who are all very, you know, good at what they do, especially in high school. You think every, you think that somebody's good at something in high school and it's literally like the most mundane thing. Because right. but that's your world. Your world is so much smaller, especially in high school. I work with a lot of high schoolers, and they'll they'll tell me their problems. And the thing that I had to learn immediately was just because I, as an adult, don't see that as a problem, that's their world.
1: Oh yeah, that it's a big problem.
0: Everything to them, and especially now with social media. I had a kid tell me, you know, that they didn't get enough likes on their photo. It's like, how many likes did you get? They're like two hundred. I was like, I don't get twelve. All right, like. <laughs> And it just, I had to check myself and I was like, that's their world though. Like that, that's how they compare themselves to other people. And I always tell people like, don't compare, compare, compare yourself to who you want to be and, right. and fight for that person. Like if I, if I told my 15 year old self that I would have a beautiful nerdy gaming wife, I would have just been like, no, no, come on, come on. You <laughs> crazy. But like, my, my wife and I, we played video games together. We, we, she loves Marvel movies too. Like I manifested it because I made that choice. I was like, I'd rather compare myself to who I want to be and how do yeah. I get to that person? And whether it was, you know, getting great mentors, I've had a lot of great uh, influences in my life, mentors, coaches. I always think that everybody should have a mentor in any capacity. Yes. Somebody who may not know everything better than them, but at least knows one thing. Like if I can learn one thing, I'm almost 40 and I still love learning things. Like tell me things I want to know. I don't know everything. I'll never know everything, but I love when people tell me things that I don't know. And that's part of the reason this show so much fun for me to do. Like we have our our comic book show, which I love talking about comic books. I can talk about comic books all day long. And that's how this whole started. And that's what I'm passionate about. And that's why it resonates with people. But like for this, like to talk to people about stories, because I got to ask, Your book is becoming a movie, which is the coolest thing for me, like because I'm a huge movie fan. Like even during COVID, I was counting down to when we can go see a movie. And I remember the the first movie we went to go see uh, during the pandemic when they finally opened up theaters was Wonder Woman 1984, the shittiest movie of the year. And I was so disappointed (laughs) because I loved the first one. And I'm, a, I'm actually, I'm a bigger DC fan than Marvel fan. You know, don't come at me, people in the comments. But <laughs> I remember just being so, and you couldn't eat. You had to wear masks. They like assigned the seats. Like, I don't think my wife and I even sat next to each other. I think we were like two seats apart. And I remember just being so happy to be sitting in there like like a kid in the candy shop, just because that was what I was passionate about. So for you, how did your book shift into being made into a movie?
1: Ironically, when, when the, the book come out, I, I called a friend of mine and I've, I've always had some connections into in, some celebrities. I had celebrity friends. I got, we have some, some great endorsements on there from them. And I, I called one of them and he said, Hey, I stayed up all night <laughs> reading your book. I hear that a lot. I couldn't put it down. And he said, I I I know some people. Do you mind if I share it? And I get a, a call back and it was purchased by a large movie conglomerate. And since then and we've had another meeting and they there's a a strong strong possibility it may go to a 12-part miniseries as well oh wow so 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 we can tell more of the story instead of trying to put it into into two
0: yeah oh wow that that's so cool like and that's again it also resonates with your message about getting this information out and i think it's going to be fantastic i'm excited like I know because your book's going to be in my queue by the end of this episode. Like by the time the day is over, you're going to see at least one order from me. Probably my wife too, which I don't get because we live in the same house. But you know, we she does what she wants with books. I just stay out of the way at this point. But like, we'll get a, a delivery. It's like thrift books, and she's like got 92 books in there. I'm like, all right, well here we are. <laughs> but, uh, That's I, fantastic. And I will be the first one in the theater for that. That is the coolest thing, and just. Like I said, when you, I always say that if you're doing something and it aligns with where you should be and what you're doing, things just manifest with it, right? Like, I'm sure when you were writing this book, it wasn't, well, I hope I get a movie deal out of this.
1: No, we, we just wanted to wanted tell our story to uh, part of us to set the record straight. I mean, it's a tell-all book and, you know, the, the people that are being mean to us, we, you know, we get to throw some punches back. So there was some of that, you know, we want to kind of get that out but on the most part is that as we really started getting into the meat of it is we, we're not the only family that's, that's going through this, right. You know, suicide is sadly increasing across America Mm -hmm. and how, how does people deal with it? You know, what, what are they doing? And so we wanted to be able to help people with not just our story, but to be able to overcome and, and to to see a light at the end of the tunnel and have some encouragement, know that you're not alone and and to be loved. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's really what we lack today that we used to have in the old days is is people that would just love on you and be friendly okay. and and not not be so self absorbed.
0: And we were also raised in a certain generation where it was rub some dirt in it, get over it. You're yeah. too My favorite as a child, I was always told you're too sensitive yeah that was both my parents my parents got divorced and somehow they still managed to connect on that one line where they both said it they didn't agree on any much else but they both said you're too sensitive that was what i was told i'm gonna make a t-shirt i think that says it at this point but we are getting towards the end of our interview unfortunately but we do have our favorite misfit faction game if you're interested we like to do a little rapid fire question asking so I rattle off a question and you just, first thing that comes to mind, if you're interested in playing, of course. Oh, sure. I'll play. Oh, this is my favorite. It's, it's always entertaining. So for you personally, in moments of difficulty, is there a mantra or a phrase that you find particularly comforting? Something that you say to yourself?
1: Yeah. Don't give up. Don't quit. And I, I'll repeat that to myself over and over.
0: How has your perspective on love and relationships evolved since you you know, have been trying to get your message out and unfortunately since that tragedy?
1: I'm not a loner uh, at, at all. I was extremely skeptical, but since then, I, I've remarried. I found love and, and and been able to you know experience it from from a perspective where it's fulfilling. Now, all
0: right. Let's see if you could offer one piece of advice to individuals supporting someone going through grief. What would it be?
1: Be patient because they they don't grieve like you do. They and and they don't think that they need to, but be patient with their their need and how they need to express themselves to get over the grief. Just support them and love them. That's awesome.
0: What is a self-care practice that you do for yourself?
1: I like to get by myself and meditate. I like to be alone, go through my thoughts. I do read a lot, but uh, it's very important to me to be able to sit quietly and just kind of process things.
0: And then the last one, what is a book or movie besides your own that resonates with you on resilience and overcoming adversity? Rudy. Oh yeah, Rudy! Oh God, I've mean, yes. years. Oh, that—that's a fun callback. I like that. I haven't. Yeah, I gotta sit now. I gotta sit down and watch Rudy of all things, But Yeah,
1: oh, Ru- Rudy's one of my, man. I, I'll cry. But I grew up playing football. I played mm-hmm. 18 years. So when I pick him up, came off the field, I, I'll cry my eyes out. And then, oh, yeah. I got—I got to meet the guy, at, at one of the cons that played Rudy. Then I told him that I was like, man, is your, your movie's the only movie that makes me cry. I said, you know how many grown men that I hear say that. And then I met the real Rudy Rudiger at, at a speaking conference. He does motivational speaking, mm-hmm. and, I, and I got him to sign me a, a Notre Dame jersey. So. Oh, that's awesome! Like that. What a oh, what a cool story!
0: Now, for our listeners, if they want some more of your material, if they want to order your book, if they want to find you on social media, like where are the places that they can go to?
1: Yeah, uh, the name of the book is "Who Turned Up the Silence," um, and you, uh, the, it's got its own website who turned up the silence dot com. Uh, you can find the book anywhere, you know, Amazon, Walmart.com, Books A Million, Barnes and Nobles. But if you'll reach out to me personally on social media, uh, my my family and I will sign the book. Everybody has their own quotes and, and things they put in and we'll overnight it to you. That's awesome.
0: Social media, anything like that?
1: Yeah, we're I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and I'll send you all the links so you can share it with them
0: perfect including myself cuz i'm selfish and i want more of this kind of content so it's really for me it's not for the listeners they they they're good <laughs> but that is going to take us to the end of our time andy thank you so much for jumping in this was fantastic
1: thank you very much i appreciate you having me on especially since you're you know the superman fan
2: perfect that's that's the whole reason but thank you so much we'll talk to you soon yes sir take care